Well, good morning, church. We are coming toward the close of our study in Second Timothy. We have uh, today, and today will be Communion Sunday, so we'll break bread together, share in the cup and the bread together today. Uh, we'll do the first five verses of chapter 4 of Second Timothy, uh, finish it next week, and then we'll head into uh, the final pastoral epistle, Paul's letter to Titus. And then after that, uh, we're praying and seeing where the Lord leads us next, which book we'll study as a group. Next, we know they're all good. There's no, uh, it's, we're, it's a win-win situation, isn't it? Any, anything we study in the Word of God will be good. So Second uh, Timothy chapter 4 is where we'll be. If you want to uh, raise your hand, if you didn't bring a Bible, put them up nice and high. The guys in the back will bring a Bible to you. Second Timothy chapter 4. And, and just for fun, let's mark also Jeremiah chapter 20. Jeremiah chapter 20. If you don't know where either of those books are, uh, just look in the table of contents in the front of your Bible. Jeremiah is one of the Old Testament prophets. Many know him as the weeping prophet. Jeremiah 20, 2 Timothy chapter 4. Are we ready? Are our minds clear? Ready to hear from the Lord this morning? That's why you came, isn't it? You didn't come to have your ears tickled, did you? Good, because that's what we're talking about this morning. So let's pray and uh, tell God uh, how awesome we think he is. Father, how excellent is your name in all the earth. Lord, we know that there are many that would not agree with that. We know that we are surrounded more and more so by those that think religion is for people of lesser intellects. We know there is a, uh, a developing rhetoric, Lord, in the news and on the, the internet and via uh, all kinds of uh, situations, media, Lord, that, that really is putting down a belief, that is really putting down faith, Lord, and we're ready. We're ready, Lord. We stand here ready. We don't care, Father, but we need your strength. We need your encouragement. We need your reassurance of your great love for us so that we can endure to the end. Lord, we know that the the crown doesn't go to those who get halfway through the race and quit, but those that cross the finish line. And Lord, for some of us, the finish line is a lot closer than others. We never know the day, Lord, that you call us home. But we want to be ready. We want to live ready, just as your word tells us to be ready. We want to be standing firm, Lord. And in ourselves, Lord, our people-pleasing desires, we just confess that we are tempted to appeal to our friends and to belittle the things of God when we're in certain company, Lord. And we hate that about ourselves. We want to stand strong, Stand firm with compassion, with love, but with confidence as well. Thank you for uh, Timothy and Paul and what you did in their lives and the way that it ministers to us even today. Lord, we just pray that this next time would be uh, satisfying to our souls and pleasing to you, Lord. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, Amen. amen. We are in 2 Timothy. And this passage that we'll look at today in chapter 4 is really somewhat of the crescendo of this letter. It comes to a climax here. We're dealing with the Apostle Paul uh, 
the end of his life, writing from a Roman dungeon, his final words really to one of his beloved disciples, Timothy. They had such a close relationship, like a father and son. And Paul knows this may be the last thing he has the opportunity to pass on to Timothy. And what will he say? What is it about? What's the deal? What will Paul say at the end of his life? What will have mattered to him? What has he learned? And especially to young Timothy, because we've learned that Timothy is a little bit of a coward, isn't he? He's a timid guy, easily influenced. He's not a, he's not a guy 30-some years old. He's, he's not a guy that, will, that is naturally standing firm in his convictions. He needs encouragement to do so, just like many of us. We, we hear this message or we see that teaching and we're, we can be easily swayed. Well, maybe there's something to that or maybe, maybe they're right. And, and we really need this regular encouragement to stand firm on what we believe to be the truth and why we believe it to be so. And in the face of, of people in Paul's day, in Timothy's day, that were turning away, chapter 1 tells us, all those in Asia had turned away from him and from the message of God's grace and God's love and the need for Jesus Christ uh, for salvation. People were turning away from that message. In chapter 4, we're going to read about Demas, who forsook Paul because he loved this present world. We'll talk about that next week. There were, there's a, all of the false teachers. Where as long as there have been true prophets, there have been false prophets. As long as there have been true teachers, there have been what? False teachers. And we have to be able to know the difference. And gullible people are easily led astray. Easily. So my prayer for this congregation is that you know the truth and that you stand on the truth. And, and this is what chapter 4 crescendos with uh, for, for Paul and for Timothy. He begins chapter 4, verse 1. I charge you, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. But you... Be watchful in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. So we're only looking at five verses today. We do have uh, time that we want to make sure we have for communion. The first verse uh, and then the chapter to verse 2 just make me want to say amen, amen. And he starts out with, I charge you. And it's really the word to witness or to bear, to bear witness, to testify. So Paul envisions himself sort of in a court. And who else is standing as witnesses in the court? So Paul's bearing witness to something. And who else are the witnesses there in the court? I charge you, I testify before God. God is in the courtroom, listening in, hearing and affirming the testimony, going, "Uh uh-huh, he's right, what he's saying is true. And then who else is there? Jesus. Now, the Greek here is very specific. It doesn't speak of God and Jesus as different people. But God, even our Lord Jesus Christ. So in the, the original language that it was written, it would, the indicator would be that God is 
Jesus, or Jesus is God. God, who is Jesus Christ, our Lord, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. This is who is in the courtroom listening to the testimony. What is the testimony at the end of Paul's life? And what is the thing he says to Timothy? He says, Timothy, after all my years of ministry, all the traveling I've done, all the people I've met, all the places I've been, I've been shipwrecked, I've been stoned, I've been whipped, I've been beaten, I've been in Jerusalem, I've been through Asia Minor, I've been into Greece and to Rome, and all of, all of my travels, all of my experience growing up as a Jew, everything, all that boils down to these three words, Timothy, preach the word. Preach the word. Because that's what people need. He doesn't say, Timothy, develop good programs. At the, you know, it's funny how you get older, you get simpler, don't you? You find that when, when you're younger, you know, there's all, everything is fancy and it's complicated and you've got to have this and you've got to have that. And, but when you get older, I think you begin to really boil things down to what's important. And, and oftentimes life, although it's complicated in a general sense, as we, as we get older things get a little simpler. We realize that some of the things we thought were so important really aren't as important as we thought they were. And so Paul, having gone through all of this time in his life now as, as an aged man, he says, preach the word. Timothy, this is what matters. Preach the word. And that's why the, this really is the, where I got the title from for 2 Timothy, keep the fire burning. Keep the fire burning. That's what he's telling Timothy, isn't it? Keep the fire burning. Well, what's the connection? You've got Jeremiah 20, Mark, don't you? Go there just briefly. Because the word of God is compared to a fire. In Jeremiah chapter 20, just look quickly at verse 9. Jeremiah says, then I said, I will not make mention of him nor speak any more in his name. This is what Jeremiah is trying to, I'm not going to, I'm just not going to talk about God anymore. I'm not going to do it. It's it's brought such difficulty into his life. He says, I'm I'm not, I'm just not going to talk about it. But there was a problem. He couldn't, he couldn't not, there's a good double negative. He couldn't not talk about it. He says, but his word was in my heart like a burning fire. Shut up in my bones. I was weary of holding it back, and I could not. Well, just turn over a couple pages to Jeremiah 23. Twenty-three, verse 28. Again, Jeremiah speaking at a time not unlike the time that Paul and Timothy lived in, not unlike our time today, where there were plenty of people that were saying things and claiming that it was God speaking, but it really wasn't. It was just them. And so in that time, with those prophets, those false prophets, verse 28 says, The prophet who has a dream, let him tell a dream. And he who has my word, let him speak my word faithfully. What is the chaff to the wheat, says the Lord? Is not my word like a fire? says the Lord, and like a hammer that breaks the rock in pieces. I like that wording. I mean, the word of God is like a fire. It spreads. It's consuming. It's warming. In all of these different ways, we experience the word of God. And it's like a a hammer. It breaks the rock. You think that 
that relative of yours, you think that person that you know, that their heart is too hard? Oh man, the word of God can break the hardest rock. And some, for some people, it's hard-headedness. You may be hard-hearted, but you also may be hard-headed. And the word of God can get through that, can break that rock in pieces and, and bring it to a place of submission. The word of God, like fire, like a hammer. We need more fiery preaching, don't we? I think so. I, I, you know, the word of God gets in your heart and it gets into your life. And you see how good, you know, taste and see that the Lord is good. And, you be, you know, and, and it, sometimes it hurts when the Word of God confronts us. And we're going to talk about that in just a second. But back to, to Timothy with me, if you would. So he says, Timothy, I need you to keep the fire burning. I need you to keep preaching the Word. To be a preacher is to be a herald. It's to be, not a herald, a herald with an E. It's to be a messenger. For like the king, when the king had to send a message, he would send out his couriers or his heralds and they would go to each town on horseback as fast as they could to get the message out there. And the most important thing about that messenger is that he passes on the message just as it was given to him. That he's faithful. He's courageous to deliver that message just as it was given. And so he says to Timothy, preach or herald the message. Don't be shy. Why is this important for Timothy? We read about Timothy because he tends toward cowardice. He tends toward being timid. And so Paul is sort of telling him, Timothy, boost yourself up, pull yourself up, stick out your chest and preach the word because people need to hear it. But if you can't listen, if you can't get the, the truth from the pulpit, you can't get it anywhere. You can't get it in a car. You can't get it in a bar. You can't get it here or there. Or you can't get it anywhere. Can't get it from the news. You can't get it from the Jews. <laughs> Is it time for communion yet? <laughs> But truthfully, if the pulpit of God's church strays, there is no other source for the truth of the word of God. If we turn away from his word in the church, there's no other else. No one else is preaching the word of God. It's no one else's job. It's our job to be messengers of. Of God. God so desires to speak to people that they would know him, that they would know him, that they would know themselves and that they would know about how to live now and how to live in eternity. That's the basics of it all. And God wants people to know the truth because lies are deceptive and they mislead people. And if we're not bringing our, if we just bow down and let all the false teachings get out there and run rampant without being just as zealous for the truth, then the lies will overtake everything. And people will continue to be mis- misled. The Word of God. I just did a little bit of a study on the why. But, but when he says preach, preach the Word. Not your opinions, Timothy. Not pop psychology. Uh, not this, not that. Preach the Word. Why? Because the Word of God is the sword of the Spirit. 
Because the Word of God is the truth. Thy Word is truth. The Word of God is living and powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword, able to even discern between the thoughts and intents of the heart. God's Word even gets down to your, the level of your thoughts. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Growth comes by the Word of God. Peter said to desire the pure milk of God's Word so that you can grow. And finally, David in Psalm 119 said, I, Your Word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. God's Word hidden in a person's heart keeps them and helps them to avoid sinning, avoid falling into sin and staying in sin. So that's why he says, Timothy, preach the Word. He says, be ready in season and out of season. When there's opportunity and when there's not opportunity. I like that because things come and go seasonally, don't they? Whether it's food. I saw there was a line at Papa Jim's the other day. Papa Jim's sells the ice cream cones. I mean, there's a time and a season for snow cones. To me, every season's a time for ice cream. That's another story. But there's a time for snow cones all summer long. Man, you could go out on a July day when it's 99 degrees outside in the downtown mall and set up your snow cone machine and you could probably sell snow cones all day long because people are hot and it's a great opportunity to sell snow cones. And, and if you're in the clothing industry, there's a time to buy a bathing suit and there's a time to buy a winter jacket. You know, in, in April, you can't find winter jackets anywhere. It's just not the opportunity. But you can sell them all day long in October because people are getting ready. That's your opportunity. So Paul says, Timothy, be ready when there's an opportunity. Opportunity on Sunday mornings. There's an opportunity at weddings. There's an opportunity at funerals. There's an opportunity in in all kinds of different places in ways when people after disasters are great times when people are just open and they're ripe and it's an opportunity to preach the word of God, to herald that message of hope and eternal life. But I think those of you that are uh, watching the news and paying attention to the direction of our culture will agree with me when we say that the opportunity for the Word of God is decreasing greatly in our current society, isn't it? I think we're, we're trying to sell, sell snow cones in December now when we preach the Word of God. It's not as easy. People are not interested in buying bathing suits in November unless you're going on a cruise or something like that. You see... This is what Paul is saying to Timothy, that that there's going to be a time when it's ripe and you need to be ready then. But there's going to be a time when it's not popular. But you you, you can't change what you're selling because people aren't buying. Do you get that? We can't change what we're selling just because people aren't buying. Because what we have is the truth. And even though people aren't interested in it, they're, they're, they're not interested in buying it, They're not interested in enjoying it or in eating it. Timothy, I want you to keep preaching it anyway. What does that look like? He says, convince, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and teaching. Convince is is the word to reprove or to, to tell someone something in such a way that it leads them to recognizing their sin and confessing it. And and to rebuke, we've talked about that before, to confront someone with their wrong behavior. And to encourage. That's the last one. To exhort is is to encourage, to beg, to plead with people. 
And, to, and, that, and we're good in, in this culture, in this day and age, we're good at encouraging. I mean, you know, you watch the, the different programs or you hear the different places and, and we're all about encouragement, aren't we? And, I, and I'm not, not about encouragement. I think part of the Word of God is very, very encouraging. And we should preach that with all of our heart. You should leave on occasion encouraged, not always beat up. But a preacher who's fully preaching to his congregation the word of God will also find a time to convict and to rebuke. That's what love does. If I I see my kids caught up in something that's hurtful, if you see your kids caught up in something that's hurtful or damaging... That's not a time for encouragement. That's a time for confrontation. And part of the word of God is very confronting, isn't it? It confronts your behavior. It confronts your wrong concepts of life and death and eternity. It confronts your wrong concepts of creation or evolution. It confronts, confronts your wrong concepts of how we treat others. Remember, the day that's coming, Paul says, is a day when people will be lovers of themselves and lovers of money and all those things. And in the face of that, and parallel to that, we have the church, where instead of loving ourselves, we love others. Where instead of being full of pride, we're humble. Instead of being domineering and dominating, we're submissive and yielding. That's what the Word of God creates in our hearts. Convince, rebuke, exhort. I don't, I, I don't enjoy rebuking. <laughs> That's not fun. I, I want to be liked. You know, we all do. Rebuking is not popular, but it's necessary. And it's part of what preachers are called to do. And it's part of what's good for the congregation, isn't it? It may not feel good. And, and this is the issue. Look at what Paul says <clears throat> next to Timothy. Be ready in season, out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long, long suffering and teaching. Timothy, do it very patiently and do it very instructively. Be patient while you teach people. Why? Again, that we know this, that the last days are coming. Perilous times will come. Well, part of those perilous times, those dangerous times, verse 3 tells us the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. So he says, Timothy, right now is the time you've got to jump on it. You've got to take the opportunity to teach and preach the word of God. Why? Because as time progresses, and this could be right out of our pages of the newspapers today, and right out of all the internet sites today, it says there's a time coming when they will not endure sound drop. They won't put up with it. They won't be interested in it. It'll be like snow cones in December. You won't be able to sell it, Timothy. Their time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. Well, why not? I mean, don't you think people would want to hear God's word? I mean, we do. We get ex- I get excited about the word of God, even when it shows me who I am in a bad way. Oh, thank you, Lord, for showing me who I really am. Thank you for pointing that out in my life. I need to repent and confess that and get through that with your help. Well, that's not what everybody wants. He says, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine or healthy teaching, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers. 
It's not God's word that will be in charge. It's people's desires. We can always find someone to tell us what we want to hear, can't we? You can search around and search around until you find that person who carries a Bible and tells you exactly what you want to hear. That's the church I'm going to, the one that tells me what I want to hear. The first church of itching ears. But it's, no, now here's the, you know, we might say, well, what does this have to do with me? This is Paul's letter to Timothy. You know, Timothy's the preacher. I'm not a preacher. What, what could this possibly have to do with me? I want to warn you about yourself. Because you then, if I might find myself identifying with Timothy, you might find yourself identifying with the people he's supposed to preach to. And maybe it's you that tends to want to just hear things that make you feel good. That make you, that affirm who you are. You want to find those places because we have no lack of teachers, do we? And that matter of fact, when it says they will heap up for themselves teachers, it means to accumulate in piles. They'll just be piling up teachers. You got CDs coming, you got internet websites, you got books all over the place. There are gobs and gobs of different types of books and sermons and websites and churches and anything you could want you can pile it up to yourself this little bit of this little bit of that little bit of the other thing all to affirm what what makes you feel good that's what it means to have itching ears right you got that you know you ever said to somebody you know i got a real hankering i'm really itching for a crispy cream donut you know Get it. You get cravings sometimes. You get a craving. I'm really craving some Briar's ice cream or something like that. You just get a craving. It's this craving. It's a desire that you have. And you get that, oh, I gotta, I gotta have it. So you drive out to Food Lion at 1130 at night and just to get that thing you're craving for because you gotta satisfy it. Well, that's how it's, it is going to be and, and maybe is in some ways today with teaching, with here, with church. Where people will be searching for churches or pastors or preachers or teachers that simply uh, make their living by affirming wherever, whatever the current culture is or wherever people, whatever they want to hear, whatever makes them feel good. And we're there, aren't we? We're there. And it's challenging because, you know, and I understand, I understand this. I understand the challenge for teachers because there'll be no lack of preachers Willing to tell people exactly what they want to hear. And in those days, in the last days, you, you can't judge a church by how many people go to it. It's really inconsequential whether your church has 20 or, or 2,000 people. It doesn't, it's no measure of success. Because in the last days, where will people tend to go? To churches that don't confront them. That everything is just about encouragement. Nothing is about sin. Nothing's about holiness. Nothing's about... Uh, you know, these types of, uh, the, the resurrection, well, you know, dying to self, that's nothing. It's all about just, hey, you know, you're, it's encouraging messages. And that's where people will tend to go. And, and I'm not downing that, though that's part of it. But as pastors, this is the hardest job I've ever had. I mean, I've had a lot of different jobs from working in a cafeteria, uh, at a hospital, cleaning pots and pans and a number of different jobs I've had. And being a pastor is the hardest thing because it's very hard to judge whether or not you're being successful at it. And so currently the way, you know, how do you judge success? If you're in business, you judge success because you're making more profit or your customers are happy. You know, the the customer is always right. How many of you heard that before? 
Customer's always right. You're there. You're, a serv- you're serving the people who, who um, use your business, and so you want to make them happy. And it feels good when you do it, too, when you satisfy them. And so you know, hey, I'm doing, I'm doing good because my people that I serve are happy. I'm pr- providing them with a product, and they're coming back for it again and again. So now put yourself in the shoes of a pastor or a preacher. The desire that you have to, that the customer is always right, to give people what they want because you want to make them happy, you want them to come back. Do you see the challenge? It's not fun to see people leaving the church because they don't want to hear about this or that's not popular. And, and so really, the last day's church will be the shrinking one, not necessarily the growing one. Because the last day's people will be self-centered and greedy and we'll find churches that affirm that. But it's not a happy way to live. It's not a blessed way to live. The Word of God makes us whole people, healed people, not just affirming our sickness. Do you see that? What if you went to the doctor and he just kept encouraging you in your sickness? Well, you... You look better today than you did yesterday. I don't know. You know what, what would the doctor say? Man, you're sick. You need help. That's why I came. In the last days, time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, they will, um, because they have itching ears, they want to they just get satisfied. They want to leave church and not have anybody challenge them on a deeper level. And be, they'll heap up for themselves teachers, and this is what happens, they will turn their ears away from the truth. So that's active. This is what the person decides to do. This is what people decide to do. No, 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 I don't want it. That, I'm not sure I believe that. I'm not sure I want to believe that. And they, you know, remember, we, you know, kids, you ah, la, 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 not listening to mom, not listening to mom. You put your fingers in your ears and stop them up so you don't hear. That's what people do when you start to tell them about the word of God. And then here's the key. When a person turns away from the truth, if you don't stand for something, what happens? Now look what, happened. look what Paul says next. They will turn their ears away from the truth. They'll stop them up. And because of that, this is passive, they will be turned aside to fables. That's something that happens to you. Not something you do, what happens to you. Again, if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything, be turned aside to fables. And we have uh, been turned aside to fables. And, and, I, uh, and I just will clearly present the fable, the myth uh, of evolution to this group. And, and I think you know that. Um, the, all of the rhetoric makes us feel like we are stupid for believing that in the beginning God created, that somehow that defies scientific Uh, experiences and scientific evidences. But God's people have to learn to think. You have to learn to pick apart an argument and see its weaknesses. Now listen, we just had Easter last week, right? And we preached about and talked about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He was dead and he rose to life. You go, I don't know if I can believe that. Well, if you believe in evolution, then you believe exactly that. You believe that there was death, and then all of a sudden came life. Just because you have a group of inorganic um, material 
doesn't mean you have life. So, how, so why do we feel like such idiots for believing in the resurrection when that's exactly what evolution teaches, that there was death and it became life? And it was a miracle. And it's a myth. Because there is one giver of life, and that is God. And every one of us here today must be thankful to him for giving us life. Because he is the source of all life. But do you see, when you turn away from God's word, when you don't have in the beginning God created, then you have to have something else to explain it. So you will readily believe the myths or the fables. To me, aliens is a better explanation than evolution. At least in terms of, look, we're not talking about... Natural selection, I'm good with that. Adaptation, that is fine. None of those things. I'm talking about the origins of life, specifically. Aliens is a better, more plausible solution. So verse 5, and then if I could have the the folks that are going to be preparing communion ready themselves. uh, Let's just finish out with verse 5. So what do we do? Does Paul tell Timothy, you know, well, run and hide, gather up the few faithful people and go and live in a cave somewhere down by the Rivanna River? Is that what he says? No, he says, but you be watchful in all things. And that's what I'm saying to this congregation. Listen, when you hear these things, be sober-minded. Be paying attention. Be thinking things through. Be asking the questions. Be searching deeper than just what you hear and, and sucking it in. You know, like, like, like children... When they hear the, when they get that, you know, they'll, they'll take in the, the bananas, the, the little, you know, I was in charge of feeding when, when our kids were young. I was like the feeder guy. I was the one that had the spoon and the kids were little and, you know, put the bananas on it. And I always used body English. Helga used to laugh at me because to get them to open, I'm like, uh, with the, I'm, my mouth is open. I'm using body English to get them to eat this, you know. Ah. And Helga says, what are you doing? I said, I don't know. It just happens. Bananas, good, you know, rice cereal, that goes right in, num, 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 they eat that down. But then you try to put in the peas. You know, out it comes. They don't want, to, they don't want that. Doesn't taste good. But Timothy, you be watchful. You keep feeding them the peas with the rice cereal, with the bananas. But you be watchful in all things. Endure afflictions. Do the work of an evangelist. Look, There are still people that are going to be saved. Not everyone is turned away from the truth. Not everyone has stopped up their ears. There are still people. Look, there are people you work with. There are people you live near. There are people in your family that still are ready to hear the beautiful truths of the word of God. They're ready. Their heart has just been waiting for you to tell them that there's a way to be healed. That there's a way to be made whole. That all of that way that you think, that all, those, all of that junk and nonsense in your mind, you can have a new start. Whatever it is that you did in your past, whatever it was that you, that you feel unworthy, that you feel dirty, that you feel like you, God could never love you, all of that stuff. The evangelist says, while you were yet a sinner, Christ died for you. He didn't wait till you got cleaned up He is the cleaner, he's the soap, he's the sponge, he's the bleach, he's the rag, he's everything to clean you up. And there are people waiting to hear that. Maybe not as many as there were 20, 30, 40 years ago. 
Maybe not as many as there were during the Jesus people movement of the 60s. Maybe not as much as there, there were during the Welsh revival. But they're still out there. And so Paul says, do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. Fulfill your ministry. Timothy, stick to it. Keep at it. Keep that hammer going. Keep that fire burning. Because people need it. Amen? Amen. The word of, the word of false teachers, the word of, uh, without the word of God is just chaff. It's light, it's empty, has no weight. The word of God is weighty, it's serious, and it's beautiful. It's, it, it, it's a double-edged sword. It, it heals, it cuts, and then it heals. It's like a dagger and a scalpel all at once. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to uh, share communion. The guys in the back, guys and ladies, are going to begin passing out the communion. But before we do, we're going we're to talk a little bit about, um, about membership, about being a part of the body of Christ. So here's what I want to say. As it comes around, on any given Sunday morning, I don't know where all of you are with the Lord. But the, the, when you've been baptized into the body of Christ by the Holy Spirit, you're a member of the body of Christ. And our ongoing participation in the communion is how we sort of maintain our membership in the body of Christ. Is by, because this is about the blood and body of Christ, not about our works. And this is participation in a community. So if you are still on the fence about Christ... If you are not ready to yield to him, if you're not ready to obey, maybe you believe, but you're not ready to obey. Maybe you believe he exists, but you're not ready to be a believer. Then feel free to let it pass. To just, you know, don't feel obligated because we're all doing it. We're not going to look at you cross-eyed. I would prefer you not be false about it. I would prefer you be honest about, about this. If you don't want the Lord in your life, then don't take him in, in through the, the elements. But it's up to you. The, the stopgap is not him. This communion is an invitation to you to enjoy him, to take him in, to make him part of your, the fabric of your life. But if that's not what you want, then don't be dishonest. Let the communion elements pass. Does that make sense? I'm not trying to be a hard guy in this. I'm just saying that's, you know, be... Be sincere with yourself. Be, continue, be, be um, uh, constant in, in your, your profession. But boy, do we want to we welcome you into the community and ask you to share it with us. So we're going to worship the Lord a little bit. If you want to pray, if you have anything that's on your mind, I'm going to be sitting up here. Feel free to come up um, and pray with me. Or maybe if, if a lot of people come up, we'll have other people to pray. But this is a time to just do business with the Lord, isn't it? Just get some of that stuff in your heart cleared up.